Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Rachel Celeste Hansen. She's an astrologer, writer, and lifelong spiritual seeker. Through her personal journey with astrology, she has found it to be a vital source of affirmation, wisdom, and wonder. And she feels both blessed and humbled to share this sacred art with others. Since 2017, Rachel has been a frequent contributor to astrology.com, where you can find her forecasts and horoscopes at every new moon and full moon. When she's not writing, she loves creating astrological artwork, including one-of-a-kind, hand-illustrated birth charts. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram and at Rachel Celeste Astrology. Rachel, thank you for being on the show. How are you today? I'm good, Gary. Thank you so much for having me. That is awesome. Um, so uh, where can my uh, listeners find some of your work? Well, um, my work is published on a website called astrology.com. Um, every new moon and full moon, which turns out to be about every two weeks, um, you will find a article in which I write a brief overview of what's happening in the sky, um, what the energies are that people will be sort of dealing with or encountering in their lives, and then also individually by sign, a more detailed horoscope of what they might be able to expect. Great. And uh, how could somebody, uh, if somebody, one of my listeners wants to get a hand-illustrated birth chart from you, how can they do that? Oh, they could reach out to me either through Facebook or Instagram. Um, on both of those platforms, you can find me as Rachel Celeste Astrology. Awesome. Um, so how did you get into astrology? Well, it was something I think I was always kind of low-key interested in, even as a child, but it seemed forbidden when I was younger because um, I grew up in a religious family, and I also, um, between, between that upbringing and also just sort of getting a sense at school that astrology was something that was superstitious or it wasn't real. I sort of just felt like it was something that was intriguing, but I wasn't sure if it was okay to really get into. Um, but when I was older, um, by the time I got to my late twenties or so, I really had reached a point in my life where I was looking for more meaning and wisdom in my life and just wanted to understand myself better and understand a little bit better, you know, what was going on in my life or just in general in the world. And so I started, um, started reading, reading my horoscopes, um, reading um, more and more descriptions of what was happening each day, just on a collective level. Um, and over the course of just reading my horoscopes and reading about the astrological energies, I, I just started taking a lot of notes and, and forming kind of a base of knowledge about it. And then I just really, at a certain point, I just delved so deeply into it. I was reading books on it all the time, taking online courses, it, even to the point of 
making flashcards for myself and taking notes for myself to study. So I, once, once I, once I really did let myself delve into it, it just became a passion and I couldn't stop. Great. That's kind of how I am with music and a lot of other things. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It is. It's, it's just, it's nice to have something to focus your mind on something positive and something that you can feel good about, basically. Absolutely. I think um, especially if it helps you connect to to yourself better and sort of understand yourself better. I know music can, can do the same thing in your life. It, it just really, it's really meaningful when you find something like that. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a gift. Um, so what exactly is astrology? Like I know for me, sometimes it seems a bit complicated and like almost like I look at it and I'm like, wow, there's all these planets and houses and retrograde and this and that. <laughs> well, the simplest way to answer that is just to say that astrology is the study of reading the stars. Um, it's different from astronomy, um, which is the more science scientific, um, actually studying the planets as physical objects and, and measuring them and tracking their orbits and their movements and everything. That's astronomy. Astrology uses that information that is um, calculated by astro astronomers, um, but an astrologer interprets that in terms of what it means for life on earth, how we experience the energies of the planets on earth. Is it the actual positions of the planet? Is it a gravitational thing? Um, I've read a little bit about astrology myself. And one of the things I've, I've noticed like when I've read about it is how it's sort of connected to so many different things. Um, you know, like how different is, is like, almost like vibration is like the color, mm -hmm. sound, numerology, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely um, an important thing in astrology is the law of correspondences. So it's the idea that um, the, the, the actual words of that are as above, so below, as within, so without, as the universe, so the soul. So the idea is that... Um, things in the heavens correspond to things on earth and it can get it can get really detailed like certain signs um are 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 connected with certain stones or certain plants or um you know if or if you want to bring other uh other fields of study into it like it's the tarot is connected like certain cards are connected with certain signs so it, it really, um, you're right, astrology really reflects how everything is kind of connected. Yeah, and I think the connected, people, when people recognize the connectedness of everything, I think sometimes that can make people a little bit more um, cautious about their actions and words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the great things about astrology, too, is that when when you're sort of aware of what what's happening with the planets on a particular day um, and what the potentials of that are, like sort of the positive or negative potentials of those energies, it really does make you think a little bit more 
about how to how to use them consciously, like how you'll choose to work with those energies. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's almost like another form of mindfulness. Yeah. That, yeah. But, that's but based on uh, planetary, but based on influence of planets and stars. That's a great way of putting it. I remember when I first started studying astrology, there would be, I would have a morning ritual. There would be this one website that I would read every morning at my breakfast. Um, it was written by an astrologer named Divine Harmony. And every day I would make a ritual of it. I'd sit and I would read what she had to say about what the planets were doing that day. I'd take notes in my journal and sort of just kind of take a moment to center myself at the beginning of the day and prepare myself for, you know, what I could expect. And it, there were definitely times when that helped me and sort of made me think twice about how I would react in a certain situation. Definitely. Excellent. So this kind of segues away perfectly into my next question. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of, I've read somewhere too. I have a question here about like what, what is retrograde, you know? And I also uh-huh. recently read that like this month, I believe there's like six planets in retrograde. Yes, actually, um, we just, uh, I, I believe it was yesterday that Mercury just uh, went into retrograde, which is really the famous, sort of the famous one that everybody talks about. Even people that aren't really that into astrology know that Mercury retrograde is a thing. And, and usually people think of it as kind of a negative thing that, that you dread, but it's really not that bad. <laughs> Um, do you think like all these planets going in retrograde could be, um, you know, causing what's currently going on in the world with the riots and the virus and the politics? Well, I, I think there's definitely, yeah, I think there's a possibility that that's having some effect because when planets move retrograde, a lot of times, um, a lot of astrologers like to say that a retrograde is time to do anything that starts with re. So you're sort of reviewing, rethinking, reorganizing, restructuring. Um, so absolutely, I think, I think especially with a lot of what's happening um, in, in regards to race in this country right now, it's a lot of sort of rethinking a lot of things in our culture that maybe we took for granted and, and, and sort of reevaluating, you know, reevaluating the way that our society was structured and and sort of the systemic things in our society that need to be reorganized in a way that benefits everyone and and does not disempower anyone um absolutely that would that would involve a lot of rethinking and a lot of sort of retracing our steps and and righting wrongs from the past so yeah absolutely i think that the retrograde planets could have something to do with that I find that kind of reassuring that, you know, what's going on is really part of a natural scheme of things. Yeah, that's really one of the things about astrology that's always been the most helpful to me is that anything that seems to be out of control or or crazy or just completely random, it, it kind of gives me a reassurance that even if it seems that way in the moment, there is sort of a larger picture. And there's a rhythm to things and that everything sort of passes 
things don't stay exactly the same. Like things are always evolving and, you know, we're moving through different energies. So it, you know, on a collective level or just personally in your life, it can really, it, it can really help you find a lot more peace and make you feel more grounded and centered to know that. Um, my understanding of astrology that the, ha the houses are the same as sort of like the 12 signs of the Zodiac. How did that originate? Well, um, the, the 12 signs of the Zodiac are named for 12 constellations, which happen to form kind of a band around the earth. Um, that, that's called the ecliptic. And so those 12 constellations surround the earth and our, our planet's rotation on its axis sort of intersects with that. And as the planets move through their orbits, they also intersect with that. And so we see the sun and the moon and the other planets against that backdrop of the 12 signs of the zodiac. Um, so the 12 houses, it's like you imagine the heavens sort of uh, as a 360 degree circle around the earth. And the 12 houses are just 12 equal sections of that, which are 30 degrees. And they, um, they are aligned with the, the 12 signs of the zodiac. Although when the 12 signs originated, the constellations themselves were all directly lined up with those 30 degree sections. Over time, the stars moved slightly. So now they're offset a little bit. They might not be exactly where they used to be when astrology was first developed. But that section of the heavens is still known as, you know, this is Aries or this is Taurus or this is Gemini. It's still, um, there's still that correspondence. So it has to do with where the constellations are. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing how ancient cultures were that observant of what was going on in the skies. Yeah. Um, the, this is a funny question. We already kind of <laughs> answered this one. <laughs> um, is astrology black magic or witchcraft? <laughs> you know, that's definitely the reputation that it might have with some people, but that is actually not true. Astrology is not black magic or witchcraft. Um, it, it would be considered part of the occult, but that's a word that also kind of gets a bad rap. The occult doesn't mean something that's evil or, or even witchcraft, which personally, I don't think witchcraft is evil. Some of my best friends are witches. I think, you know, the tradition of witchcraft is, is really reverent towards nature and really beautiful. Um, but that aside, um, astrology itself is not witchcraft. It's more appropriate to say that it's part of the occult, which is just hidden. It just means any hidden knowledge or, or studies of unseen energies that play out in the universe and how to work with them and how to experience them. Is that why occultists and witches rely so heavily on astrology for the timing of their rituals? Yeah, I would say so because, um, I mean, the whole idea, anytime that you want to do 
anything, really, you want to make sure that you're doing it at a time where the conditions are favorable for whatever it is that you want to do. So, um, so if you want to, you know, if you wanted to have a barbecue in your yard, you would check the weather and you would choose a day that looked like it was going to be sunny, right? And um, if, if you are setting out to do a ritual or a spell or any kind of a magical working, you would also want to choose the time that is the most auspicious for whatever it is that you want to do. And with astrology, um, each of the days of the week is associated with a certain planet. And so if you wanted to do a, a ritual or a spell that's directly related to the energies of that planet, say um, today is a Thursday, today is ruled by Jupiter. So Jupiter is the planet of abundance and luck and expansion. And so if you wanted to, say, do a ritual to attract more money into your life, Thursday, Jupiter's day would be a great day to do that because it's that's the energy that you want to connect with. Um, if you really wanted to get super involved, there's even traditionally a system by which different hours of the day are ruled by different planets. So if you wanted to find out when Jupiter's hour was on Jupiter's day, that would probably be the best time to do your, your spell to help you attract abundance. So it's, it's really just an idea of there being, you know, there's, there's sort of a time for everything. And so you, you want to choose your timing to do something at the time that's most favorable for the outcome that you want. It's amazing how thought out astrology really is and how much oh, goes yeah. into it. Absolutely. Um, so I've asked you to read my chart for me. Yes. This, I'm really excited about this part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoyed reading your chart. Your chart is very interesting. I'm almost nervous now. <laughs> so what would, you, what would you like to know? Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like what kind of person am I? You know, like some people might think I'm kind of lazy, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I'm lazy. I just kind of feel like I'm just always kind of thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm just judging by uh, the placement of your son. I would say to call you lazy would be really incorrect because you have the sun in Capricorn, which is really known for being the most hardworking and ambitious sign. Um, but I think that maybe the things for you, I don't think you just want to work hard at anything. Like you want to work hard at something that's really meaningful to you and something that reflects your values, which might not be the same values as everybody else's. Um, so in my family, like, I'm the only person that's creative that likes to play music, write, and mm -hmm. do podcasts. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in my chart that points towards that? Yeah, I would say so. First of all, um, your sun, your Capricorn sun is conjunct Mercury. So Mercury is the planet of communication um, and teaching and learning, anything to do with speaking, writing, communicating, and knowledge. 
So your sense of self is really connected with that. So any, any activity in which you can communicate something of yourself and share your knowledge is, is something that's really important for you to do. And, um, and also with music, you have a conjunction of Venus and Neptune. And both of those planets are associated with, um, with the arts and music in particular for Neptune, that there's, you know, anything that is beautiful or, or gives you pleasure, like that, that those, you know, that you really care a lot about creating beauty and, and, and enjoying the arts and just sort of the, the um, expressing yourself. So for me, the creativity also comes hand in hand with spirituality. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there a connection in my chart with those things? I would say that, yeah, definitely, because the place where you have your conjunction of Venus and Neptune, it's actually in your 12th house. And the 12th house, it's the house that's sort of hidden. It's, it, it can represent the things that are sort of hidden parts of you or uh, more secretive parts of your life. Um, but it's also related to mysticism and spirituality and, and sort of not just religion, like in the sense of going to church or whatever, but, but in the sense of actually having spiritual experiences, like directly experiencing a connection with, with spirit. So it makes a lot of sense looking at where Venus and Neptune are for you that you would feel that way. The 12th house, is that, I've heard that referred to as like the temple of your dreams. Oh, I like that. I've never heard that before, but that, that definitely fits. Um, is there anything in my chart that um, reflects where I should, what I should be doing with uh, my future? Oh, well, one thing's for sure. Um, looking at your chart, you have... Um, at the top of your chart, there's there's a point at the top of everyone's chart called the midheaven, which is it what it really what it literally is is like the point in the sky that was directly overhead at your birth, and so in a chart, the midheaven represents your um, sort of your role in life or your your life purpose. Sometimes it's career, or sometimes it's just something that you feel called to do. Um, whether or not it's what you do for your job, it's just, it's just your sense of your calling. And on your midheaven, you have two really powerful planets, like right sitting right up there. Um, for the first one is retrograde Pluto. Pluto is an extremely powerful planet. Um, and it's, it's the planet of sort of, um, life and death and transformation and rebirth and it also associates with, uh, with power. Um, and so you have that like right, right on your midheaven, right at the top of your chart. And along with that, you also have Uranus, which is the planet that sort of, it's like the revolutionary planet. It's, it's, it's all about challenging the status quo and challenging authority and sort of radically, uh, radically changing things and disrupting the status quo. So I feel like whatever it is that you, that you set out to do in your life, it's with that kind of spirit of wanting to 
you know, wanting to challenge and disrupt the status quo, kind of shake things up, question authority. Um, and with with Pluto, there's there's a sense that you've really that you've gone through many different transformations, and it, it, you're sort of always evolving. the The role that you're playing at any given time might be might be constantly evolving, but there's there's always that sense of um, just that you're just really committed to to your your own evolution and your own sort of spiritual growth and development. That is so spot on, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've been like a uh, an anarchist punk rocker my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. I kind of knew that about you before, but I'm definitely seeing your chart. I was like, of course. <laughs> and also, you know, sometimes too, I, I look back like you know, I'm 52 now, but yeah, I feel like I've lived like three lifetimes already. <laughs> You know, because of all the changes, yeah. you know, I'm so far from the person I was when I was younger, you know? Yeah. I mean, but the one thing that stayed consistent is sort of like that anarchist view of, you know, breaking down the old stuff, building something new. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that's really needed right now. So I think whatever, whatever you can do to express that right now, like that's, that's your part to play in, in all that's happening right now in the world. Yeah. That's actually one of the reasons I, I thought this podcast, starting a podcast would be a good thing to do because I wanted to focus on my podcast to be that one, the power of imagination, you know, mm -hmm. like our minds create everything, uh, everything yeah. that, that that's been made, we thought of first. And the other thing is, um, there's just so much in the world that that information and beliefs, um, I don't know, they're just, that open people's minds basically to other possibilities. You know, the yeah. real unlimited nature of, of things. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes the only, the only limits that we really have are the ones that we put on ourselves with what, with our own thinking. So my next question about my chart, love. Mm -hmm. What's your question, love? Love. Love, okay. What would you like to love. know about love? Um, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, whatever it says about me, just, just throw it out there. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. I'm looking at your chart, and I'm seeing that you have the north node of the moon in, uh, in your fifth house, which is your house of romance. So the north node, um, what that represents is, is an area of your life that sort of you're growing into. Um, it's sort of the path of your evolution and, and sort of like what's the next major life lesson that your soul needs to learn. And so I would imagine that that romance is something that it's, it's like sort of been an area in which you've, you've grown over time. Maybe you, you in the past, like it didn't come naturally to you, but that it's something that as, as you go through life, you're sort of challenged to, cultivate more of and um, and that is also 
it's sort of there's there's a little bit of an uneasy relationship between that and um, your Venus and Neptune. Um, mm -hmm. Venus is, as you know, the goddess of love. So Venus relates to your love relationships. And since you have Venus and Neptune in your 12th house, which is a lot more solitary and a lot more about like going within, sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable for you to put yourself out there and be romantic. Um, it, it kind of requires you to make a little bit of a shift um, mm -hmm. in the way that you would normally be. But, but when you make that little bit of an effort, it really, it, it just really leads you in the right direction and really, really leads to a lot of growth for you. I think maybe my wife would agree with that. I'm probably not the most <laughs> romantic guy, you know. I'm probably just more about the booty. <laughs> well, you do have Venus and Scorpio, so that makes sense. <laughs> so it does make sense. Scorpio um, kind of gets a, a reputation for uh, for being all about the booty, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing what I can learn from my chart. <laughs> um, so that might explain why I've had some, my rockier relationships has been with people that were Scorpio. Oh, interesting. So I wonder if there's a connection there. Cause I always had trouble with Scorpios. Yeah. Well, Scorpio, Scorpio can be an intense sign. And I, I'm saying that as somebody that has, Scorpio rising and Venus and Scorpio as well. And yeah, like we're, we can be kind of intense. <laughs> um, is there anything else on my chart that, that sticks out that I should know about? Let's see. Um, well, I also, I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this, but I definitely wanted to bring up that you, aside from your Capricorn sun, you are also a double Sagittarius. Um, because you have, uh, there's, there's three points in a person's chart that are sort of like the, um, like the primary things to look at in the chart. And that's your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising sign. And your sun sign is in Capricorn, but both your moon and, uh, your rising sign are both in Sagittarius. So, um, Getting back to earlier when the, I think the first thing that you asked was that sometimes people think that you're lazy, even though you're not. Um, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter and um, it's a very, it's sort of like a happy go lucky sign. So it, it kind of just wants to be free to do its own thing and go on adventures and you know, isn't isn't necessarily so concerned with um, with working hard or anything like that. It's just more. It, it's just really passionate about life, you know. And um, but it's also really associated with philosophy, uh, spiritual spirituality, always learning, always expanding um, your horizons in every way. And so for you, it's like that's. I think that's what really comes across in your personality um, with the Sagittarius rising. And it's also something that just you really care about, like since your moon is there too. It's just like you need to always feel like you're learning and free to grow and free to explore, um, like for your sense of well-being. Like that's really important to you. Again, that is so spot on, you know. <laughs> and I mean, because I think like in reality, you know, 
I definitely, when I focus on something, I do work. I work really hard at whatever I'm focused on. But also, like, there's this other part of me, you know, that I just love hanging out with interesting people mm-hmm. and bullshitting, basically, and learning from other people. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, if there's one other talent that I have, other than being really focused, it's just being able to bullshit. Yeah, well, Sagittarius is is really good and and loves to bullshit. So, and I also I also I want to offer another disclaimer that my son is in Sagittarius, so I know, like I, you know, like we we love to BS. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> I think your husband could even affirm my love for bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. I've heard some stories. Uh oh. <laughs> Um, so uh, with the move away from my chart, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, and I asked this to a lot of my guests that have different beliefs. Yeah. Um, is our fate dictated by the astrology or do we have free will? We absolutely have free will. I think that a lot of what, gives astrology a bad rap with some people is that they think it means you're basically controlled by the stars and the planets and that they have power over you and 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 that it's very fatalistic and it's it's really not that way at all maybe maybe in the very early days of astrology that was the case but the way that it is practiced now it's it's very much about you know you have free will here are the um, here are the energies that are sort of um, at play right now in in the universe. Here's how they might be playing out in your life and affecting you. You know there might be a, a, a more enlightened way that you can work with those energies, or there might be a less enlightened way that you could work with them. But it's up to you. So it's it's always what you choose to do with, um, with the energies. And that's why knowing astrology, it really actually empowers you to exercise your free will because you're more informed and you're more, you're sort of forewarned sometimes about potentials for, you know, if you're not being mindful, you could sort of be tempted to act in this way or, or you could sort of unconsciously act in that way. And so when you're aware of that potential, it allows you to choose, well, how do I want to respond instead of just sort of making a knee-jerk reaction without thinking about it? It, it really, I find it to be very empowering and, and very supportive of exercising your free will. It kind of goes like of my own personal belief on this is I always kind of felt that life is 50% free will and 50% predetermined or guided by the universe. <laughs> and, you know, I have a choice of either adjusting my free will to go with that flow of the universe that it wants me to go in, or I, I could choose to fight it <laughs> and, and just end up being angry, <laughs> pissed yeah. off at my whole life. Yeah, I like that. Because, I mean, it's true. Like, you can't control everything in life. I mean, you can't you can't control what other people do and what other people do affects you. Um, so you, you can't, you're right. Like there's, you know, I don't know if it's exactly 50, 50 or how all that works out, but you're, you're absolutely right. You can control 
what you choose to do in response to the things that happen. And yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree that sometimes there are just certain things that, that are faded and like maybe how you reach those things, like through your, through your choices, maybe take you on a different path and they, you, I just feel like sometimes that there's certain places where you're supposed to end up one way or another or certain people you're supposed to meet. And if you don't meet them one way, you'll meet them another way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it is just, you know, it's a combination of, of your choices and sort of a bigger, a bigger picture. Yeah. It, it, it's just not one or the other. I think a no. lot of people tend to look at things black or white and yeah. really I don't think anything is black and white. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, yeah. Um, does astrology affect fertility? Because I always hear about fertility rituals, like the, was it like the May flagpole thing and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, probably the most basic example of how astrology can affect fertility is to just look at the moon. Um, you know, even if, if you're not into astrology or um, – or into doing rituals of any kind. Like if you're a farmer or a gardener, you're most likely going to choose to plant your seeds at the new moon because that's at the point where um, the lunar energies are just, just beginning to build. And so if you plant your seeds, then the energy supports growing um, and building. When the moon reaches fullness, um, that's, that's associated with, you know, oh, the, the fruits are becoming ripe and it's, you know, it's almost time to harvest them. And then when you get past the full moon, that's when you actually harvest and that clears the space to plant new seeds at the next new moon. So, I mean, that's just the most basic example. And, um, I'm sure like for human fertility, there, there are certain times in a person's life when they're, if, if, um, if, if having a child is something that they want to do, that there would be favorable times for that based on what's happening um, with the planet and how that's interacting with their personal chart. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because like we said earlier, everything is connected, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, has astrology changed over time? Because like, one of the things I think I also understood is like in the beginning of early astrology, there was only like seven celestial bodies and now there's more. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, over time, you know, as more planets have been discovered, there have been additions to astrology. Originally, astrology was limited to planets that were visible with the naked eye. So it only went as far as Saturn. Um, but then once telescopes were invented and people began to um, have the technology to discover planets that you couldn't see with the naked eye, absolutely, that's how we got, um, that's how we got Uranus, that's how we got Neptune and Pluto. And there's still, there are still new celestial bodies being discovered that are, that are being incorporated into astrology even today. Um. Have you ever heard about Planet X or Nubru or Nibru? I've heard of a, Planet X, but I don't know very much about it. Could that be affecting astrology in a way that we don't know? If, if say, if it was actually discovered to be a real planet, like, we would change things. Oh right? yeah. Well, what usually happens is when planets are discovered, um, when new planets are discovered, 
their astrological meaning connects with what was happening in the world at the time that they were discovered. So um, you had Uranus discovered, I believe it was discovered around the time of the American Revolution and the French Revolution. So people were really, um, people were really disrupting the status quo. They were challenging royalty and wanted to have governments that were more um, democratic and more egalitarian. And so Uranus is, is associated with that with being kind of a rebel and a revolutionary and a nonconformist and, and sort of shaking things up. Um, and then Pluto was discovered, uh, I want to say in 1930. It was definitely around that time. And so a lot of the themes that were happening in the world, you know, pretty intense themes, you know, the Great Depression, World War II, all of all of the things that um, that happened in the 30s and 40s were around the time that Pluto um, that Pluto was first discovered, and so Pluto is very associated with power, um, with power, and sometimes abuses of power, with with um, with secrets coming to light. Um, we you had. Um, Pluto being related to plutonium and and um, with the you know with nuclear weapons. So yeah, I mean there's there's always there's definitely a chance that we'll find out planet X <laughs> one day we'll figure out that it means something related to what's happening in the world now. Awesome. Uh, so um, what is the future of astrology? Future of astrology, I, I think that it's it's already it's already starting to uh, we're already starting to see what the future of astrology is. We've really seen it over the last even in the last like ten years or so that I've really been seriously involved with it. It seems like it's just become so much more accepted by the mainstream. It's become so much more um, just you know like. In, in the past, if you believed in astrology or if you were interested in it, you know, it would just sort of be, you know, most people would just sort of think that you were weird or you were sort of flaky and or superstitious and kind of roll their eyes at you. <laughs> but um, but now, I mean, I just I just feel like almost everybody that I talk to when I tell them what I do, they're just like, oh, that's so interesting. And, you know, they even people that you wouldn't think would be interested in it are at least open minded to it. And I think that that's huge. And I also think that um, I, I feel like the future, it's just going to it's just going to keep expanding to include more diverse voices um, and sort of, you know, because there over time, like I feel like astrology has already sort of done that. It, it used to have a lot more. There used to be kind of a lot more like sort of rigid ideas about gender and about, um, you know, just just things like that, that now people are a lot more open minded about. And and so astrology is sort of is there's a, there were a lot of biases that sort of used to be written into astrology books. And now when you read current astrology authors and horoscopes that you don't see that you see just a lot more open-mindedness and a lot more uh of a recognition of, of different experiences and like not everybody's experience is the same and that that's a good thing 
yeah, like you know, just doing this interview, I've learned so much about astrology. You know, that has no, you know, it's not witchcraft. It's not a black art. It's mm-hmm. definitely way more than a cheesy pickup line. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, like like those things almost are insulting to what astrology really is. Um, yeah. Or or at least mis very misunderstood. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know it's it's good to have fun with you know like like these days you see um, if if you go on Facebook or Instagram like you see a lot of memes about astrology and about like what the different sun signs are like and you know some of them are just really stereotypical and um, just kind of silly. And, you know, and some of them are, some of them are surprisingly accurate, (laughs) but, um, but honestly, I feel like if, if that's sort of like what gets somebody interested in it and then they, that leads you to kind of investigate it more and you find that there's actually something to it, like, you know, maybe, maybe it's good that it's become just more a common thing that people talk about because it's sort of, you know, that might lead you to learn more. Um, I had another question. I just forgot it. <laughs> Don't get old because you'll just forget everything. I think that may have its pluses too, but yeah. My wife, <clears throat> my wife says I just intentionally forget stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you get uh, get involved with astrology.com? Oh well, it's 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 actually you know it was it was really a very um, it's like when you say you said earlier that that some things in life just kind of are meant to be and and feel like they're just faded. It sort of felt that way to me how I came to be involved with astrology.com. Um, it was about three years ago. It was exactly three years ago, actually, in um, the summer of 2017. And um, I had been studying for, you know, for at least a few years and I had been reading charts for friends and for friends of friends for a while. And then a good friend of mine who had connections um, in media reached out to me and she said that she knew someone who was taking over an astrology site and was looking for writers and would I be interested in writing for them. And at the time I really, I sort of doubted whether that was something that I was even qualified to do. I, I definitely felt, like it would be a challenge, but I, I knew that I had to go for it because there was, at that time, there was a, a solar eclipse in Leo, which is where my midheaven is. So that's, that's where, um, where my life purpose and my calling and, and possibly my career, like that's, that's the area of my life where the solar eclipse was happening. So I knew like, this is a time that I could make a really major new beginning related to whatever I feel called to do, which was astrology. And so I, you know, knowing that that was what was happening in in the stars, I knew I had to go for it. And I, you know, and I sent my writing sample and they liked it. And it turned out, you know, three years later, I'm still writing for them. And what I first was writing for them was um, I, I, I got my start with them writing a column every week on, uh, I would recommend a movie for people to watch based on what was happening in the astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then that sort of just developed into into more serious things after that. 
So when would it be a good time to watch The Big Lebowski? Oh, any time. <laughs> <laughs> that covers the whole Zodiac. Absolutely. But I, I kind of feel like the dude might be a Taurus because he kind of just likes to lay back and relax and doesn't get too excited about anything. You know, he just abides. So, yeah, I'd say maybe during Taurus season would be a good time. <laughs> um, do you have any – so with all these planets being in a retrograde and everything that's happening – Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice that you would give to my listeners to deal with this time? I would say, um, re- considering how many planets are retrograde, this is really a time for a lot of reflection. Um, really, I would say especially um, with regards to what's happening in our country, just that, that a lot of people are are sort of – reflecting on on their their attitudes about things sort of reconsidering their opinions about certain things in light of new information that's coming in and um sort of just sort of like sitting with that and 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 trying to work out how you know what changes they might need to make in the way they go about their lives based on that um so i i would say really like right now the, it's really a time to reflect and be willing to um, be, be willing to rethink things, be re- willing to change your mind. If, if you've been very used to seeing things a certain way um, and just taking for granted that that is the correct way and that that's the right way, definitely be open to, to taking another look at that and, and maybe like unlearning some things that you thought you knew or relearning some things just you know, it's it's really a time just overall just to reflect and, and rethink and perhaps rebuild things in a, in a way that is better than it was before. So probably like being flexible, open-minded, um, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, especially like if, if, if someone is talking and they, they're coming from a different, a totally different experience to you, definitely hear them out and try to put yourself in their position and understand where they're coming from. Cause from their position, you might be looking at the same thing and it could look totally different. And that that's, that's what causes a lot of conflict. So yeah, definitely. Is this a good time or a bad time to make major decisions? Um, well, I personally, I feel like things are, things are kind of in flux right now. So I'm not sure that I would want to like, with so many planets retrograde, I'm not sure that I would want to make any big decisions that I couldn't change my mind about later. I would probably want to spend this time getting as much information as I can before I make a big decision. Um, and you know, if, if that's not possible, if, if you really need to make a decision about something, just really make sure that you've thought it over first and that, that you feel good about the decision that you're making. Great advice. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, well, it's been great having you on the show. Um, Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I'd love to have you come back again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just got to, um, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, before I wrap it up, though, um, you want to remind my listeners where they can find you and how they can uh, 
get your hand-drawn charts? Yes, you can find me on either Facebook or Instagram if you look for Rachel Celeste Astrology. Um, I tend to post a lot more on Facebook than on Instagram. I share my articles on Facebook every two weeks. Um, or you could find my articles on astrology.com. Um, I'm not sure when this episode will will air, but um, but there is a solar eclipse in Cancer on, I believe it's on Saturday, on the 20th. Um, and so I have an article coming out for that on astrology.com. You can check it out. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for being on my show. Definitely would love to have you back. Yeah. And, uh, I just got to read a bunch of uh, stuff and we'll wrap it up. Great. Um, so to my listeners, please like and review my podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Tell your friends, your aunt, your uncle, especially the weird uncle, because he's probably the coolest one. <laughs> I know, because I am a weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. Also, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, Everything Imaginable 2020. Also, you can uh, get this podcast at everythingimaginable2020.com. And I also have a Patreon page where you can make a donation to help support this show, which is patreon.com forward slash everything imaginable. Um, remember, everything that is was first imagined. And uh, I actually have to see you next week written on here, but lately I've been doing about two episodes a week. Um, so you'll probably see me in a couple of days again. Um, thank you for listening. And oh, yeah. I almost forgot. You can buy my book, Enlightenment Guaranteed, the only book on Zen you'll ever need, written by me, Gary Conchalillo. You can get it on Amazon. The Kindle edition is only $3.99. Thank you for listening, and have a great day. 